Lightning Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the UFC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. This is the sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We've never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. Hello again, Broncos country, and welcome to another edition of the Orange Weekly pregame podcast. Our Denver Broncos are 2-0, and going in against probably one of the worst teams in the NFL and the New York Jets uh, with a rookie quarterback who is also not doing so hot, just like Trevor Lawrence. We are super excited to talk about it and get a little bit in-depth on some of our matchups today on the pregame podcast. Uh, how you doing today, David? Oh man, uh, the excitement is palpable, Jared. Two and zero wins in September. What is this? Win streaks know, in know. September. I mean, <laughs> favorited by over ten points in a mm, game. This mm, is crazy. Don't like that. Don't like that. We're going to get into the, how much I don't like that in a little <laughs> bit. Um, well, but, while you're at it, go ahead and sit back. Uh, grab a beer if you can. If you're driving, don't. Uh, obviously, drink responsibly. Uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of the Orange Weekly pregame podcast. Orange Weekly. Fans, brews, and Broncos news. All right, David, you said it. We're 2-0 and in September. Knock on wood, right? Knock on wood. How are we feeling about it? I mean, going into the New York Jets, at first game at home. Let's start there. First game at home. How are we feeling? Well, and I'll tell you, that, that advantage to me is what kind of makes me feel like we won't overlook this game. We, it kind of takes away some of the trap game potential. Not all of it. I'm still. I'm always wary of trap games, Jared. You heard us. La- <laughs> if you heard last week's show, you know I'm just. I'm on the lookout for traps. The swamps of Jacksonville were an excellent place to fall into a trap, and we didn't. We did not, and I'm glad about that. Home in front of a crowd, like you know, is going to be rocking in Power Field on Sunday. I the trap game potential to me seems really minimal. I think the defense is going to feed off of that. Um, I think the offense is going to be eager to go out there and get you know, throw out some of those plays that they just threw out the first two weeks. You know, the home crowd's going to go nuts for those deep balls. Oh. And for oh, for Teddy, you know, if, just for Teddy throwing strikes over the middle, hitting Cortland Sutton. It's going to be absolutely electric. I'm really, I, I cannot stress enough how, I, you know, this is, a, you know, I'm going to the Ravens game in a couple of weeks. I really wish I was going to this game. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. This game is going to be, I think the stadium's going to be crazy. I'm super excited for a couple of our rookies, Pat Sertain out there, uh, Williams running the ball, you know, with the, their first time in mile high playing a game in front of fans and most of our team for first time in two years playing in front of a packed crowd. I, I just think it's going to be absolutely intense. And I think especially us here, in, us Denver fans and everybody in Denver, 
we're kind of tired of being cooped up just like the rest of the world. So this is a really good chance to go out and support them uh, after a year of having to stay home. So, yeah, no, I'm super excited for the home field advantage that we get on this one. I think that also plays into that 10-point favorite, uh, 10.5-point favorite going into this game. Let's talk about some matchups, David. Yes, absolutely. Teddy Bridgewater is on a roll. He is one of the top five quarterbacks in the league right now as far as – I think he's number two as far as terms of accuracy. Mm -hmm. He is number, like – Two as far as deep balls attempted. He's number one um, as far as balls over twenty yards attempted. That's, number one that's in the it. entire league. And and he is playing smart. Zero interceptions. Uh, I don't remember. Did he have a fumble? I don't think he has any. I don't turnovers. believe he's got a fumble. No, he's got a couple uh, sacks, but no fumbles. Yep, well, pretty bad sack. That there was one sack against Jacksonville there. That uh, yeah, it, it, it didn't go super well for Teddy when he. I, I don't know what the play the play call was. The maybe it was a miss blocking assignment. It just looked like somebody didn't quite pick up the message there and um, on that 16-yard sack. But, yeah, no, like you were saying, Jared, no turnovers for Teddy. He's playing heady football, smart football, um, and he's not – like we were saying, we don't want to hear any more of this steady Teddy, uh, meaning he just checks it down. He's steady Teddy because he pushes the ball downfield reliably and makes the right choices while he's doing it. He's not throwing the ball into triple coverage. He's identifying the right guys down the field to get it to. And if it's not there, he's missing it out of the hands of everybody. It's not bouncing off of, you know, a defender's hand first and, you know, lucky dropped interceptions. It's not that kind of uh, deep ball with him. So, you know, we're getting we're getting a lot out of Teddy right now. It's really impressive. I think that steady Teddy, you know, the mentality came from because he it's not that he's not afraid. It's not that he's afraid to throw it downfield. Let's put that way. It's that he was always looking for the smart play. It wasn't so much that he was afraid to throw the ball. It was always looking for the smart play. And now he has the athletes around him to be able to deliver the ball. And I say that, right, he was in Carolina last year. They're 2-0 and right now. Also beat these Jets. Um, and I, I, we're recording this during the Thursday night game, so I don't know the, the final of that game. But something tells me that they're going to win this one tonight, too. But... Mm. Um, you know he has the he has the athleticism and he has the trust in his receivers that I don't think he had in Carolina and I think that steady check down Teddy was really the thought process of him making the smart call not so much him making just the check down every single time his turnover yeah. ratio is very low and I think that's also part of the reason he won that job for sure and it's certainly a higher ceiling than we thought for Teddy coming into the season was possible for him but when you surround him with talent like this who knows, you know, it, and that's how, and the talent's panning out too. We haven't seen the best of KJ Hamler yet. We haven't seen the best of Tim Patrick. I don't think we saw the best of him in that Jacksonville game. Uh, you know, if they get all of those guys firing on all cylinders at once, get out of town. And, and I mean, we had a missed, a missed ball to Sutton. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was deep too. Once we start, once we start really dialing in those little things, right. We talked about the first couple of games of the season, everybody kind of take a back seat and say, Hey, Still, the first couple of games this season, we have a new quarterback. We got to get him settled in. The only thing that he needs to get settled in is some of those deep balls. The, the accuracy on deep balls is overthrowing him just a little bit. Once he gets that dialed in, it might be almost impossible to stop this offense the way that it's rolling right now. Absolutely, and I'll tell you what—they would have hit another one of those deep balls were it not for a certain Jersey tug that went uncalled <laughs> against the Jaguars. They we were, can't. 
we can't play us against the zebras. No, it's not doesn't our, work that's that way. Not our game doesn't work that way. So speaking of which, DBs, right? The last two, last two DB cores. I feel like Jacksonville had a pretty decent uh, DB core, and we talked about that on the pregame podcast for the Jacksonville game. Um, this Jets DB core, this secondary in the Jets, is bottom five. It's not great. They've got yeah, Marcus, not great. They've got Marcus May, who is a really good young safety, and then. Um, yep. you, you know, you've got yep. Bryce, Bryce Hall and Brandon Eccles, uh, playing Brandon corner. Brandon Eccles, the rookie, yep. right? Talking oh. about a rookie playing corner. Absolutely. Um, sixth round rookie. Uh, you right. Michael Carter's their nickel guy. And then you've got May, um, and Adrian Colbert, their safeties. It's, you, you like the matchups for Denver here. Um, you know, one interesting thing that the Broncos have been running a little bit this season, uh, is 13 personnel, which is one running back, three tight ends, and two wide receivers on the field at the same time. They re- they've shown that look in the uh, in the red zone a couple of times. In fact, that's what the I think the touchdown to Noah Fant in the Jacksonville game was out of that personnel package. Um, they love these tight ends. They love Okawebanam. They love Fant. They love Salbert, and getting them on the field at the same time. Uh, I think they can do that a lot this game. I think they can exploit matchups with all three of these tight ends against these defensive backs uh, and linebackers because I, I just I don't think they'll be able to handle the athleticism of all three guys on the field at once. That's that's one thing I'd kind of look for maybe them two or three tight end sets to be really really prevalent against this Jets team. What do you think, Jared? Yeah, I mean the the linebackers just I don't think their linebacking core can cover our tight end sets. It, two tight ends alone, I think with Fant and Okwebenam out there. There's no way that those linebackers are going to be able to find or even pull down May to be able to cover one of those. I just don't. I just don't see them. Another thing I really like about Teddy Bridgewater is that he spreads the ball out. Yeah, he's not yeah. trying to target. Right. Obviously, Corton Sutton had a big game, uh, second game. Tim Patrick had the big first game. Um, right. There was definitely some favoritism. Right. Six six targets, seven targets for two receivers in each game. But he's spreading the ball out. I think he targeted nine receivers in in both games. So we're we're talking and. Recept received nine receivers, right? Like they caught nine yeah. balls. So I, I really like the idea that he's spreading the ball out and there's no real game plan that you can go into this being like, you know what, if we just cover up Sutton and Fant, then we're good to go, which right. has happened in past, right? But no I just don't think that they're going to be able to do that, especially if we go that double tight end side. There's no way they're going to be able to cover that. We're j- we just have to pick the pick their uh, their zone apart because they're playing that 4-3 zone most of the time, cover two, cover three. Uh, once we can pick that apart, I don't. I don't think there's going to be any stopping the pass game. You got it. Robert Sala is going to be calling their plays. Comes over from San Francisco, first year head coach for them. Uh, you know, you really like everything you hear as far as culture from him. Um, that's kind of what they brought him in to do was rebuild the culture there. Um, but you know, it's kind of another dysfunctional organization where that culture coach can only really take you so far. So we'll see how that goes for them. Um, you were right. The you know C.J. Mosley and Hasma Naz. Wow. Nazardine, wow. <laughs> Nazardine. I'm sure I'm butchering that, and my apologies that's, to him. That's actually, sounds um, about right, Nazardine. Hamza, Hamza Nazardine. Uh, you know, I, I don't know anything really about him. Clearly, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Unfortunately, C.J. Mosley obviously has been a star linebacker in this league, um, but you know, I just I, like you, like we were saying, I, I like the matchups for the tight ends, but. You know, like you were also saying, you can't just take away one or two guys here. I really like the matchups for the wide receivers, too, on the outside. Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton against those corners like we were talking about, against those safeties. They've got a chance to hit some of those deep shots. K.J. Hamler, it seemed like his connection with Teddy for all the ballyhoo about 
um, you know, Teddy moving his Hamler's locker next to his, etc. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it doesn't seem like they're quite there yet, um, but it sounds like they're working on it. And if it gets there too, you know, we've already seen Teddy hit nine, you know, nine different receivers in two different games. Like you said, Jared, he trusts all of these guys. Uh, so no matter who's out there, no matter what plays they're calling, he knows somebody's going to get open for him. Somebody's going to go make a play for him. And, you know, I think those opportunities are going to be a lot more available in this Jets game. But it's so good to have that confidence going into the tougher part of the schedule, going into the games like the Ravens, the Raiders, the Steelers, you know? Yeah, and it's like you said, I think that to be able to spread the ball out is the most important thing that we have going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm looking through this defense right now, and the way that they have it set up, they have two sixth-round rookies starting on their defense, right? Shoot. And Nazareel Dean that you just talked about, and yeah. then Eccles. Yikes. Two, sixth round drafted this year, sixth round starting on their defense. Yeah. If we don't get this this offense going, we're going to have problems. Now, let's talk about the other thing. I talked about it uh, a little bit earlier. Uh, I'm ex- super, super excited to have these rookies playing at home for the first time. Let's talk about the run game a little bit, right? We have our, our one-two punch, our two-headed monster. I'm excited for Williams to come in here. I do think he's going to get the fair share of the of the uh, workload again. Uh, we've been really doing a 50-50 split between him and uh, Melvin Gordon, but I think he's running better. Am, am, is it just me? Am I am I seeing something different? Other than the one, I think it was like a 70-yard trot that Melvin Gordon had at the end of the, of the Giants game. I see Williams running better than Gordon as yeah. of week three. Yeah, I see them sticking with a two de- two headed system, but I agree with you. Um, I think just out there right now, the product on the field says Williams is the more electric player, the more steady player, um, the you know an incredibly capable pass protector. Uh, you know, as far as three down backs go, there's not a ton of them in the league, and Denver has one. And unfortunately, Melvin Gordon is sitting in his way. And it, <laughs> it's, it's tough to say that because Melvin Gordon has really been productive in, in, you know, certain stretches for the Broncos in his short career here. But I, I, I think Gordon's the more productive runner right now. I think against this defensive front, which uh, has to be the strength of the New York Jets defense if they have a strength. And, you know, there's guys on this list, you know, Quinn and Williams, Sheldon Rankins. Shaq Lawson, Jonathan Franklin Myers, uh, those are rotation. You know, some of those are rotational guys. They can't get all those guys onto the field at once sometimes, which, you know, good problems to have. Um, you're looking at a pretty ferocious defensive front there. That's that's no joke. The Patriots uh, were able to run for 4.2 yards a carry, but that was inflated by a 16-yard run by Kendrick Bourne. It's... Um, you know, 3.9, four yards a carry, 1.5 yards per carry average after that. So it's not real easy sledding against this defensive front. And, you know, I think a guy like Williams who plays to contact, who doesn't go down on first contact, who's always churning out extra yards, keeping his balance, seeking out contact as a way to maintain his balance, um, favors his that, that style of running much more, I think, this week again. So we'll just see. We'll see who gets who gets more of the carries and, and who the coaching staff thinks has the hot hand. Yeah, and I think so far, and like you said, I don't think it's going to change, but so far I think the point is, hey, put this guy out for a couple plays, take him out. Put the next guy in for a couple plays, 
Then Gordon goes back in. Then Williams goes in for a couple plays, and Gordon goes in for a couple plays. And they can really call anything on our offense with either one of those guys in. It's not one of those situations where we have to be careful about calling a pass play when one of them in because one of them can't pass block as well. Or they can't go out into the flats and catch a catch a uh, a ball as well or whatever the case is. Or they can't call a certain run play because this person doesn't do well on certain run plays. Mm. I think that's what they're doing. I don't even think they're favoring one running back over another. They're just calling their plays and whoever the running back's in is that's in there is the running back that's either going to get the ball or going out into the play. I, I agree with you. It's I, I really like the, seeing them go series by series instead of um, play by play rotating yeah. them out. Um, I think that's a little bit smarter way to go. But you're right. They trust both of these guys to do everything here. Um, and that's great. It's, you know, a testament to – I think he, I think Javante Williams is also PFF's highest graded offensive rookie right now. And you can totally you – can, you can see why. It, the coaching staff loves him. His teammates love him. It's, it's – and, you know, obviously the fans love him because look at him break tackles. It's just absurd. <laughs> It's amazing. Yeah. And uh, th- that last game, he had the big tackle, uh, the big run. I think it was only like a 12-yard run, but he broke like at least nine of 11 people on the way to That's it. the it thing. Was... Like, it's sometimes Derrick Henry-esque just in the way that he doesn't go down. He doesn't have that size. He's not like just a monster on the field the way that Derrick Henry is, but he does just have that unwillingness to go down on first or second or third contact. It's absolutely amazing. All right. Um Let's talk right, about offensive talk- line. Yeah, let's do yeah. it. Because I think, uh, you know, with, with the absence of Graham Glasgow, I do not know if he's going to be back this week. Have looks you heard like, anything? Looks like we, we're in good shape there. Looks like we may be seeing him again. Is it time, Jared, and I know this is blasphemous in, on this podcast, is it time to start thinking about maybe the best the offensive line? Parade? Oh. No, no. I mean, oh. we, maybe we can talk about that later. But <laughs> is it... Time to maybe start considering that the best con- configuration for this interior offensive line is Moody, Cushenberry, Glasgow, not Reisner, Cushenberry, Glasgow. Ooh, that is, is that is uh, that is I. You know, I'm a big Reisner fan. I know that's why I was. I, and I was and he's had, and I'm going to I'm going to back him up a little bit on this. He's had some tough matchups these last couple weeks. This week, I, he does not. Uh, depending on who they put a, uh, put in ahead of him, which they're probably going to put Fatukasi, Fatukasi, um, across him, who's also another great matchup. He's twelfth in the league uh, in the interior defensive line. The interior defensive line is going to have struggles again this week. This is not going to be consistent. We're not going to get this type of front. Uh, going forward, I think that that's just one of those things. And if anything, our offensive line can knock these guys on back. Give Reisner a couple more. Give him a couple more games because I really do feel like he's a very good offensive lineman who's had really really tough matches matchups in the last two games. I don't. I I just I'm, I'm looking. You know, back at his grades from last year to this year again. It's just. Well, we'll see with Reisner. We'll see with Reisner. I'm not ready to kick him out obviously of the starting lineup yet i just i wonder if it's start it's time to start maybe talking about different matchups on the interior offensive line you just want to make sure muti's in the in the mix somewhere i think he is playing very well i'll give it to him he's just absurd is the thing he's absurdly strong and you know he's he's still making some rookie mistakes out there but man it once he gets a hold of a guy it is really fun to watch what happens after that um 
All right. So, yeah, we, we think maybe the interior offensive line struggles, but I think, you know, overall we both are fairly confident uh, in Teddy to get the ball out, to make good decisions with it. And, you know, it may be another week where the run game kind of struggles. Um, it may They scuffle a little bit. Maybe they get 75 to 100 yards rushing again. I, I don't think it's going to have a huge effect on the overall outcome of the game, but we may not see them really get it going quite yet this week. The only, the only cool thing, and I'll say this from a coaching standpoint about this, is they have one strength. If you can play against that one strength, then you're going to do well. If we can get to the second level, we might end up having a 150, 200-yard rushing game between the two running backs because if we can get past that first level, if we can get past that first line, there's no stopping us. If we can pull some powers, if we could do some double, double, uh, doubling up to the linebackers, we might be able to make this uh, a good run game. But again, we have to get past uh, that defensive front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and flip it. Let's flip the our one of our favorite things to talk about: the Denver Broncos defense versus another rookie quarterback in Zach Wilson, who is struggling heavily this year, just like almost all the rookie quarterbacks are across the league. Um, And one of the best defenses, uh, in our eyes, the best defense in the league. How do we see this going down, and how many more sacks is Von Miller going to get? He's got three already. That's a great question. Um, You kind of feel bad for the Jets just in that they've got to put George Fant in it right at left tackle. You know, th- that offensive line was pretty questionable going into the year as it was. Um, and now you've got uh, the really good young left tackle, Mekhi Becton, um, goes down with an injury. Um, I'm not entirely sure when they're going to get him back, but it's not going to be for this game. Um, they've got rookie a rookie guard in there in Elijah Vera Tucker. Um, they've got a... Um, let's see. Who's at their center? Of course, it's our old friend Connor McGovern. Old friend, yeah, that's yeah, old, we know uh, him. Bronco, old go- old Bronco Connor McGovern. Um, and then Greg Van Roten at right guard, and Morgan Moses at right tackle. Um, you know, Morgan Moses was actually a guy I kind of wanted the Broncos to look at in this off season. Um, just to, you know, as a right tackle, I thought he was a decent prospect coming over from the Washington Football Team. Um, you know. There's definite weak spots there. Um, Van Roten, you know, Vera Tucker is not playing terrible, not playing great. He's yeah, a rookie. For a rookie, he's, he's not doing too hot or not doing right. too bad, I mean. Right, absolutely. But, you know, you've got Moses and Fant at the tackle spots. You really can take advantage of those guys with Von Miller, uh, Malik Reed. Uh, it's, it's definitely a possibility that you really would like to have Bradley Chubb available for this game. This would be a game where having, obviously, it's good to, it would be good to have him every game. Um, but you know the Broncos are going to go in there with uh, with Miller, um, Miller, Reed, and Cooper. I would expect to see Cooper get a lot of snaps in this game. I, I think the coaching staff really likes him. I think they want to see what he can do. Um, if they can get any kind of pressure at all with just those front four, uh, you know, with Harris up there, with Draymond Jones up there, they are going to be able to make Zach Wilson make some tough decisions. He is getting flustered pretty easily. Um, they're going to make be force him to get the ball out quick, and if they do that, I think the secondary is going to be really ready to capitalize. Yeah, and the other thing too is I think Mike Purcell was taken off the injured list, uh, which is good for us uh, for him to go back in um, there at the nose tackle position. But I, I agree, I want to see Cooper on the outside a little bit. 
you know, with with Chubb going down, it kind of opens up some of these backup, you know, extra reps for those guys because Malik yeah. Reed can't play every down. And that's that's the important part. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other person, obviously, we're looking forward to is um, uh, Baron Browning mm-hmm. coming in, right? With with the absence of Josie Jewell, Justin Stranod's going to get the nod for start, which, again, I like. I'm excited to see him. He missed all of last year on an injury. I'm excited to see what he does. I like to see him on some blitz packages. Uh, and and see how he gets in. I know that was one thing that Josie Jewell was really really good at was was kind of sliding in on some of those blitz packages. Um, but yeah, Justin Schnaud's going to be in there. And again, I don't know if he's going to be able to do the whole game. So you, we might see a little bit of Baron Browning uh, again. Hopefully, I see him playing in that interior defensive line, and I'd like to. Well, and we'll see if the coaching staff trusts him. Um, they really, you know, they they weren't shy about the fact that they thought his injury set him back a little bit as far as, you know, training camp and being ready to contribute right away. Um, obviously, they like his athleticism, but if we do see him get snaps, we'll know they've seen him come quite a long way since then. And, and you know, even with the injury, they think, all right, he can he can come in and play rotationally. If we just if we only see Stranat in there, I would not be surprised. Um, it's going to be really fascinating to see about those blitzes because Fangio has been sparing with them. Um, he's really gone back to the older model of Fangio where he doesn't blitz often. Um, I think he's still doing it more than maybe two or three years ago, uh, but he's picking his spots really carefully. Uh, and I think opposing passers are like eight for 19 or something like that against these blitzes, um, for no touchdowns and two interceptions. Uh, so it's effective when he's getting them, but he kind of talked about it in practice the other day. He wants to be a guy who picks his spots with blitzes. He doesn't want to just come in, come hot all the time. He wants them to be purposeful, and he wants them to not make sense to the offense. They want to, he wants them to make sense to him, um, but you know he, he wants that to be a very unpredictable part of his game. So having guys who can get pressure up front with four and then just cover on the back end is really what we want to see him do. Yep. Um, okay, let's talk about uh, – we've talked about the matchups there. Uh, do, do we have any um, guesses for how many sacks Von Miller gets? Uh, let's go with – I don't want to get greedy. Let's say one for now. He's winning yeah, I was like, uh, Here right we go. Over under, over under 1.5 sacks I'll, for Von Miller. I'll take the under right now. I'll take the okay. under. If you put okay. me at over under, under interceptions 1.5 for Zach Wilson, I think I'm taking the over. Honestly. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, a good transition because let's bounce back out. We got our, our other number one, our, our first round pick in uh, Pat Sertan, who got last week got the nod to start and started off a little rough. They were picking on him a little bit. But after the first drive, he came back and, and he was just did nothing thrown his way was going their way. He got the interception. It was awesome. And, you know, honestly, even on that first drive, there was, you know, a couple of plays he was just not that far off. There was one, mm-hmm. one play on the sideline. You know, he, if it were not for the receiver, just having really good hands at the sideline, that ball would have been broken up. He, you know, Absolutely. Pat Sertan was there maybe like a quarter of a second too late, but he had his hands on the ball before it got into the receiver's body fully. And he just caught it anyway. There's nothing really you can do about that. Um, yeah. And yeah, he gave up a play or two on that drive too, that, he, you know, he'd like to have back. I'm sure, but he took it back. He, he literally took it back later on his own, and he really took away that side of the field for the rest of the game. And unfortunately, there was nowhere else for Trevor Lawrence to throw because Kyle Fuller had really locked down the other side of the field by that point. So I would really look forward to them doing that again this week. I would like to see them <laughs> not give up 
an opening drive touchdown uh, this week. But if the trade-off is they give up an opening drive touchdown every week and then no more touchdowns for the rest of the game for the rest of the season, I'll take that every week. That's fine. I I, I think we can handle that. Kind of like, okay, drive the ball. Let's see your offense. Let's see what your plan is. And then we're going to stop it for the rest of the game. (laughs) So these receivers for the Jets, who do we like here? You've got Jamison Crowder, who's been good for them for a long time. He's been their only guy, really, for a long time. Um, Now you've got Elijah. And he's out. Okay, so there you go. So um, you've got Elijah Moore, uh, their rookie. He he's playing well. Um, they really like him, the coaching staff there. But he's. I know they're still developing that chemistry. Him and Zach Wilson. They're not all the way there yet. Uh, you've got Corey Davis in there. Comes over from the Titans. Had a really good year there. Um, not the true number one. I think they envisioned so far. Uh, they that not. But you know, I think he'll evolve into that role a little bit more. Just as all of these receivers grow with the quarterback. Um, you've also got last year's uh, draft pick Denzel Mims, uh, who is not getting a ton of a ton of playing time, did not have a reception against the Patriots last week. Um, bummer, because that was a guy, you know, and who knows how what's going on there. Um, but that was a guy who was really pretty well hyped going into, you know, the in an in a wide receiver class last year that was not lacking in star power. Um, so, you know, hopefully he finds a way to get it going, but I don't know, Jared, do you think, who do you see as a matchup problem against our secondary, if any? And we talked about this. I don't think there's going to be very many games that we're going to find someone that's a matchup problem with our secondary, just being honest. And the, and what I like the best about picking up Pat, Pat Sertain is that we, we can go up against these big body receivers because Pat Sertain's a big body DB. So guys like Corey Davis, who they brought over to be that big body receiver that they needed, he he's not going to be able to, to get there. This is the this is week three, though. So there's something I want to think I want everyone to think about. In week three, usually, especially if you're 0-2, the media, the the podcasts out there, they're all talking about what we need to do and we need to get the ball into whose hands in order to be successful, right? And we've done it before. At one point, we were so mad at everybody for not running the ball the way that we should be. Um, but now now think about it from the New York Jets perspective. The coaches are in the same. Who do we need to get the ball to? Who do we have on our team that we need to get the ball to to be the playmaker? And I think that's Corey Davis. I think there's a reason they brought him over. They saw Ooh. his potential. They're going to try to target Corey Davis in this game. I believe it. And I don't know how they're going to do it. I just know that they're going to try to target Corey Davis on purpose. He might get eight or nine uh, targets uh, in this game. Yeah, and that's a good point. Especially if he's matched up against Pat Sertan, I think they might still see that as their best matchup possibility, the young corner. Um, you, you know, Obviously, he got the pick last week, but you'll take your chances with the, guy, with the first-round pick over the more established veterans in maybe Kyle Fuller or Justin Simmons. Um, Kareem Jackson, some of the other guys on the team. Um, but like, you know, I think he can handle a guy like Corey Davis. I think, I think can, so too. you know, with, with his physicality, uh, I think he'd be able to match up really well with any of these jets receivers. Um, the speed of more gives me a few questions, but you know, we, we play this two high safeties, you know, we've got a lot of speed with Simmons on the back end. I think that there is enough back there to take away the deep ball. Uh, threat and really yeah. make these this uh, you know do what the Fangio defense wants to do, which is make them play everything in front of you. Yeah, and I and I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Plus, I I do believe we're going to get some pressure on Zach Wilson to make some errant throws. 
uh, make make some stuff off his back foot as opposed to being able to step up into the pocket. Uh, I don't I don't know if he's going to have time to get some of those deep shots unless it's a quick like three step deep shot, and then in that case, that's where Justin Simmons and Cream Jackson just absolutely dominate is when they try to do the quick stuff. So. Uh, I, I agree with you. I don't think that there's anybody on this offense really that worries me. Uh, you know, their running back, their run game has has not been terrible. I'll say that the run game has been trying to be established. That's where their offensive line kind of excels. Their pass block is not great, but their run block is pretty good. Uh, so that's going to be, I think, one of our issues. And I would not be surprised to see a couple, you know, nine, ten yard runs out of their running backs, um, specifically out of the first drive. But we really got to step down, and especially without uh, without Josie Jewell. You know, he was he was a big he was a big filler. He was a big gap filler on that defense. So I'm interested to see how that works out. And Justin Snod's going to have to step up and fill those gaps uh, when, when in the run game. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, I'm with you. I, I would not be surprised to see them rattle off a couple of big runs against our defense. But I don't think that they're going to be able to do it for that long because I don't think the Jets are going to be close for that long. Um, as far as the score goes, I think the Broncos are going to jump out to a two-score lead before halftime, I want to say. Okay. Um, I do think, and we'll get to this in, in just a few minutes when we make our score predictions, I think the game's probably going to be a little closer than that in the end. Um, but I think the, the Jets are going to have to abandon the run game fairly quickly. Yeah, well, let's let's lead right into it. Let's talk about our let's talk about our score prediction. Actually, no, there's one more thing that we haven't talked about. Oh, God, do we have to? I do we there's have three to? there's three parts of football there's offense there's I defense it. I knew it you're gonna get me all and wound then, up and then there's special teams I did not want to get all wound up talking about this tonight but here we go here <laughs> I, we go I started it I started it 32nd in the league uh in special teams because of that kick return that we allowed against <sighs> Jacksonville uh, I I don't know what more we can do. Uh, and the other thing that pissed me off about special teams is we got our number one linebacker injured on a special teams play. He made a great play, a great yeah. great hit, but it got him injured because we're using our starting linebacker on special teams and we still are letting up uh, a kickoff returns. Does special teams play a large factor in this game specifically? It better not, because I'll tell you, <laughs> I don't know what else it's going to take though for the decision makers in Dove Valley to get on board with the fact that the problem is the coach. I just, I don't understand what else has to happen for them to come to that realization. And I'm not going to speculate anymore because I'm that flabbergasted. I really, I just, I, it's going to have to take them losing a game because of the special team. And maybe not even then they've lost a game because of the special teams before they've lost a chief's game because of the special teams before yes. the team that you probably want to beat the most in the league, especially if you're having a losing season like they were that year. I, I, okay. Um, I'm going to, you guys try... can't see this, but I've got him. I've got him very, very worked up. I'm going to try and bring uh... it back down. You guys, <laughs> I'm just, I do not understand the total, the just lack of willingness to accept the fact that there is a problem where the problem lies. I, um done discussing <laughs> okay all right well let's let's talk about score predictions you want me to go first so you can collect your thoughts please and, uh, please that'd be nice energy here. right now I'm, okay. little, I'm like right here I, I, <laughs> okay so so score predictions I, you know i 
going into this podcast, we, we don't want it to be a uh, a trap game. And we talked about all the all the good things that are going for us. We're two and zero. They're zero and two. They have a rookie quarterback. Fangio is very good against rookie quarterbacks. It's our first game at home with all of our fans in over two years. I. Everything seems to be lining. The stars seem to be aligning for the Broncos, which is probably why Vegas has them at 10.5-point favorites. I like that. I will say I do think we will win by 14 points, uh, by two touchdowns. Um, I think we go up early, and I think we hit. We don't hit the gas. I, I think we kind of just let it ride. We get some run game going, try to figure out some things with our run game. Um, and and that's, that's how we ride this out. I, I think we'll probably go... 27 I and the other thing I just don't know how they're going to score. It'll be two special team scores obviously. Mm. So mm. it'll be Yeah, there probably, you go. <laughs> 20 20 I said I say 27-13 we let up one touchdown and a couple field goals. I am not so sure. Um I just I get so nervous when you've got these terrible terrible performing quarterbacks coming in. And every all the mojo is your, going your way, and everything should go your way, and it's your home opener, and etc. 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 I get nervous. I get real nervous about it. Um, I think Zach Wilson does not throw four interceptions. I think he probably does throw two, but I think he probably throws a couple touchdowns this game too. Um, I think it's. You think you think he throws a couple touchdowns? It could happen. It just okay. it feels like it's it's not anything that I've seen out of him that makes me go, yeah, he's due for a bounce back. More than just I don't I'm not ready to trust the Broncos luck this season yet. <laughs> I'm just not I've been hurt before. I've been hurt so many times before. Um I do think they win. I think it's a little bit more like twenty seven seventeen, twenty seven twenty, um okay. something like that. Uh, you know, I think they probably are ahead by two scores for most of the game until late in the fourth quarter, and then the Jets probably go down and score a garbage time touchdown, and maybe that's one of Zach Wilson's TD passes. Um, but that's how I see this game going. I, I think they win. I don't think they win ugly. I don't think they hang a forty burger. The defense for the Jets p- did play better last week. Uh, their run game was more effective against the Patriots. Zach Wilson didn't really build on his week one performance last week, but that was he was kind of the only part of the team that didn't build on the, the you know their week one performance. So I at least expect a better team effort, and you know maybe the quarterback is just as bad as advertised. But that's why I seeing it see it being a little bit closer than that ten and a half point spread. So two touchdowns and two interceptions for Zach Wilson, and we score twenty seven points. There you go. I like it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, is there any final thoughts, David, as we enter uh, the end of this episode? Man, it's an, it's going to be really, really cool to watch uh, Broncos country back in action. Man, it's that stadium's going to be rocking. I know we touched on this before, um, but it's going to be really, really exciting to see that home crown united in orange. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um, you know, Kev is going to all the home games, and I'm super, super jealous of him getting those season tickets. I uh, I will be taking over the halftime hash and the pregame show, so make sure you join Orange Weekly on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or wherever you get your live uh, action. And um, make sure you're following Ragers. If you're following this podcast, make sure you guys are going to follow Ragers, R-A-Y-G-E-R-S. Uh, we do a very good job, and I think we are currently 8-2 mm. on the, on the uh, year on betting, which is – 
unheard of so far. Uh, last year, we were above 75%. It's just we know Broncos football. We know these matchups, and we will bring you the best looks that we possibly can. So make sure you guys are following that. And then, obviously, Orange Weekly on all of your social media pages. My final thoughts on this game are, knock on wood, it's not a trap game. That's really it's really what I want. If, if they come in and it's a close game in, in Denver and we don't pull it out, it's embarrassing. I, I, that's, that's all I'm going to say. And I, I don't want to I don't want to think negative. I don't want to be that guy, but it would be super embarrassing if they came to town and they, they beat us. So I don't think we're going to, I think we're not overlooking them. I think we're really going to come out and hit hard and hit fast. And I'm super excited for this game. I'm hoping we come out of this three and as, as everybody is. And then we can start looking forward to some of our more difficult matchups, uh, in, in the Ravens and Steelers in that, that stretch. So, with that being said, anything this else is going to be a good game. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's it. it. I love this it. This is going to be it. Well, so, any without any further ado, David, go, go Broncos. Broncos. Orange Weekly. Fans, brews, and Broncos news.